0: at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing.
1: Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. If you love them which love you, what thank have you Sinners us do the same thing? And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? Sinners also do the same thing. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? Sinners do the same thing. They lend to sinners to receive as much again. If you love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over shall men give into your bosom, but with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall he not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master or his rabbi, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the splinter that is in thy brother's eye, and perceive not the plank that is in your own eye? Either how canst you say to your brother, Brother, let me pull out the splinter that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First cast out the plank out of your own eye, and then you shall
2: see clearly to pull the splinter out of your brother's eye. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 42 will be the focus of our study in this lesson with our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell. He continues looking at our attitude towards others, found in verses 27 through 38. These verses show the contrasts between divine and human relationships. In verse 35, we see that God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, and God's kindness is without partiality. And in this, our Father shows his mercy. Now, do you and I show this attitude to others as well? With respect to judging others, Dr. Mitchell says we should temper judgment with mercy. James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. With both kindness, mercy, grace, and truth, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 6, verse 32.
1: We continue our studies again in the Gospel through Luke, and we're in chapter 6. As I have been reading these verses over and over again, I think possibly the key of the ethical teaching of our Savior to His disciples, for by the way, He is teaching His disciples, those who love Him, I think you have it in verse 36, Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. I press that for this reason, uh, we are not here dealing with how God wants the man of the world to live. He doesn't expect anything from the man of the world. He's talking about his children, his disciples especially. And we've been following through the blessings and the woes. The teaching goes from verse 20 right on down through verse 49. You find somewhat of the same principle and ethical teaching in the book of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, which is commonly known as the Sermon. On the Mount. And we took up the uh, the wars, and then we took up, the bless- first of all, the blessings given to the disciples, and then the wars, and this is aimed at the enemies of God. And then verses 27 to 38, our attitude to others. And this is what we were dealing with in our last lesson. What is to be my attitude to others? And you'll notice if I were to take it all in a little lump sum, he warns against being egotistical and selfish and self-centered. If you take those verses from uh, 27 right on down to verse 36, for example, you have such things as loving, doing good, giving and blessing and so on, praying for your enemies. And then the Lord gives to us examples in 27 to 29. He goes on to say, I say to you, love your enemies, Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And if anybody hates you, why uh, don't reciprocate. Uh, Bless them instead of, of cursing him or of taking an attitude of wanting your own back. And be generous. He takes that up. And then in verse 31, we have what is known as the golden rule as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. Now, starting from there, uh, we go on this question of our relationship to them. If you love them which love you, and he's using an illustration of the human in contrast to the divine, from verse 32 right down to verse 36. May I repeat it, he's contrasting human relationships with divine relationships. If you love them which love you, what thank have you? Sinners do the same thing. And if you do good to them which do good to you, you didn't blow yourself up, what thank have you? Sinners also do the same thing. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? Sinners do the same thing. They lend to sinners to receive as much again. In other words, we're children of God. I'm speaking to those of you who are really children of God. God expects us to be different, to be more generous, more loving, more careful than those who do not know the Savior. And then in verse verse 35 and 36, if you love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Well, Mr. Mitchell, you're asking an impossible thing. Let me be true. Not one of us in our own strength can do this. Our natural reaction is to reciprocate. No one's going to make us a doormat. We're going to have what we have, etc., etc. In other words, A great many Christians are just living like the man who's not a Christian. But we are to be like our Heavenly Father. How do you expect God to act? How would you expect the Lord Jesus to act in a situation in which you find yourself? We ought to manifest mercy and tenderness understanding. I I repeat it so, and I don't mind repeating things. It's so easy for us. Uh, to put number one first. It's a natural reaction. And I maintain again that the Christian life is a supernatural life. It can only be lived by those who are indwelt by the Spirit of God who are being brought into a relationship with the Savior. And God expects this. Now, I could give you a great amount of human illustrations. Of blessings and of failures among God's people, but I maintain this is what God wants us to do, and it can only be done in the power and blessing of the Spirit of God. And then in verses 37 to 39, to 38, especially, 37 to 38, he says a word about not judging others Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. But with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, he says here, we are not to be so quick and conceited and sit in judgment on others. It's very easy to do that. He wants us to be generous, merciful, and compassionate. and God will reward you. Don't you forget that God is on the throne. He sees everything. And if you're doing it for His sake, even if, you're, if they're very unjust with you, if you're doing it, manifesting mercy and love and generosity because you love the Savior for His sake, God will reward you. And by the way, He will reward you openly. And there is such a thing as Galatians 6 says, Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So grant, may God grant to us not to be selfish and conceited and sit in judgment on others. May I remind you of Romans 2.1, where the Apostle Paul writes, Thou art inexcusable, O man, whomsoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. You say, well, Mr. Mitchell, I believe in justice. Yes, but I believe that justice ought to be tempered with mercy. You know we can be so so exact and so just that like we can crush others instead of helping. I know I'm talking about a very touchy subject because every one of us would like to justify ourselves. It's very easy to do that. So easy. So Oh, it's so easy to do it but how am I going to help the other fellow? How am I going to display something of the compassion and love of God? And as I said over here in verse 36, be ye therefore merciful, even as your Father, your Heavenly Father, is merciful. So may our justice be tempered with mercy. And he goes on to say, if you give, if you're generous, the Lord will take care of you. You know, I've oftentimes said, God will never be in our debt did you hear what i said you may boast about being generous for god and your giving and everything else god's not going to be in your debt my friend if you're sacrificing for him you can leave it in his hands god's not going to be in your debt he will give to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over shall men give into your bosom more than you can even take in. For with what measure you mete out, it shall be measured to you again. And then starting in at verse 39 through 49, he gives illustrations of his teaching. I'm glad the Lord does that. And for example, in verse 39, he gives you the illustration of the blind. He condemns blind leadership blind leadership generally leads to disaster and i'm sorry to say that oftentimes people are blind to the truth i wonder if i would say something about this can the blind lead the blind shall they not both fall into the ditch it might be well for me to suggest something here to your heart we're living in days when there are so many false teachers Blind to the truth. Second Corinthians chapter four, the fourth verse says, "The God of this world, that is Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. In Second Peter chapter two, the first verse, I read, "There were false prophets among the people. there shall be false teachers among you." who shall bring in damnable heresies, denying even the Lord that bore them." And oh, how many people are being destroyed spiritually, morally, through false teaching. We have so much of it today, and one could spend a good deal of time warning, warning God's people. And I would suggest that when you hear teaching of any kind, Ask yourself, what place does this give to the person of Christ, and what place does it give to the work of Christ guaranteed by His resurrection and exaltation? Oh, how many blind leaders there are today who are leading thousands of people into the ditch and in the destruction of souls. I say this kindly, but I'm not blind to the fact that there are so many, even on the radio, and in pulpits who are leading people astray, leading them away from the Savior. Please stick to your Bible. Paul says to to us to to examine all things and prove that which is good. How in the world can I do it without getting into my Bible? Remember again, and I'm just telling you this again and again and again, stay in your Bible. If it's God's word, then God has an answer for you in that book. It's for you and for me to spend time in the word of God. What does God say about it? The only true picture is what God says. He's given to us a complete revelation from Genesis to Revelation. And again, I say how appalled I am at even evangelical Christians who are so ignorant of so many, so much of the truth of God. So our Lord here gives an illustration. And for us to follow unspiritual, unregenerate men can only lead us to disaster. Remember, as the 119 Psalm says, "'The entrance of thy word giveth light.'" And then in verse 105 of the same Psalm, "'Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path.'" The same, in the same Psalm, verses 9 and 11, Uh, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Verses 9 and 11. I've been quoting 119 Psalm. Verses 9 and 11, 105, and I believe 130. (laughs) Now, in verse 40, you have a second illustration between a teacher and a pupil. I read the disciple is not above his master, or his rabbi, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master." In other words, the master is seen in the perfected pupil. Some people think, some students think they know more than their teachers. And in fact, I'll be very blunt, there are some here, some uh, professing Christians and sometimes preachers, so-called religious leaders, uh, they think they know more than the Savior. How glad I am for John 16:13 through 15, where Jesus said, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you into all truth. How we need the Spirit of God then to lead us into all truth. And we can always learn at the feet of Jesus. Oh, how, how we run everywhere and anywhere except to him. It just seems that most of us, the only time we run to the Saviour is when we're in a jam or we're disturbed or we're in suffering or in sorrow. I wish you—and I speak for this man, Mitchell— oh, to have that tremendous yearning to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. And I repeat it, there are those who claim to know more than the Saviour. You look out for such ones, they lead you into the ditch, they will lead you into disaster. And then in verses 41 and 42, he condemns hypocrisy. And here the illustration is with a plank and a splinter. Let me read it. And why beholdest thou the splinter that is in thy brother's eye, and perceive not the plank that is in your own eye? Either how canst you say to your brother, brother, Let me pull out the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first cast out the plank out of your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to pull the splinter out of your brother's eye. It's so easy, and I say this very kindly because we're all guilty of it, well, in fact, I would say most of us are experts at this business of seeing the mistakes of others. And yet be so blind to our own mistakes. And may I say we condemn others freely and we excuse ourselves. Is this not true? Are we not all guilty of this? And Jesus said he exhorts us to take the plank He's using this as an illustration. Your brother has a splinter in his eye and you've got a plank in your eye. How in the world can you take the splinter out of your brother's eye? That is, help him in his his condition when you can't even see because of your own mistakes and your own troubles and your own affairs. Get the plank out of your own eye before you start to judge and condemn and criticize your brother you come before God and get your own life straightened out. I say, I say it very candidly, every one of us are guilty to a more or less degree. We get, it's so easy for us, and I'm repeating it, it's so easy for us to see the other fellow's mistakes and failures and be blind to our own condition. Sometimes we have covered up ourselves so much, we've never seen the condition of our own heart before God. You remember dear old Job? Uh, Job, by the way, was written to teach us repentance. God took the best man he could find. and Job starts with God saying to Satan, Have you seen my servant Job? He's a wonderful fellow. He's a wonderful fellow. And goes on, and after two chapters, that's the end of Satan. Then you've got his philosophical friends come along try to break Job down. No, sir, he's so full of his own self-righteousness. And then Elihu, the servant of God, comes along, and he can't do one thing either. And then God steps into the picture. And how does it end? With Job crying out. In fact, in fact, in one passage, if I use present-day terminology, he says, "I've got to put a zipper on my mouth. I've talked without even having any sense." But he ends up by saying, "I've heard of thee by the hearing of mine ears. Now mine eyes see thee. I abhor myself." We never get a true picture of ourselves until we stand in the presence of the Savior. This is true of Peter. This was true of Daniel, true of Isaiah, true of Job. It'll be true of you. Once we gaze upon the perfectness and the righteousness and the wonder of our Savior, we just see what we folk are. And when we see what we are, we won't have any time to criticize and judge the other believer. This is what the Lord's talking about in verses 41 and 42. Really, he's condemning hypocrisy. And then as we follow through, he takes up the next one. He takes up the illustration of good trees and bad trees. Now, this is so obvious. I I needn't take time to go into it. A good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, nor does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree is known by its fruit. You don't gather figs of thorns, and you don't get grapes out of bramble bushes. So a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart man speaketh. Now here we come to an amazing passage of Scripture. And I'm going to take some a little time on this, but I want to suggest that you read the book of Ma- Ma- uh, the book of Mark. You read Mark chapter seven, verse 21. Out of the heart of man proceeds certain things. Uh, you, you reveal yourself what you are by what you do. A fruit is known a tree. Pardon me is known by its fruit. Does your neighbor know, for example, that you belong to the Savior? Does your family know that you love the Savior? Are you any different from the man and the woman of the world? You who have confessed Christ as Savior. And if you're not a Christian, why do you do the things that you do? Things that you say, I have to go into your heart. And your heart is manifested. What you are is revealed by what you do and what you say we will take us up now next lesson so please read the gospel through luke chapter 6 and we're dealing in our next lesson from verse 43 and going on through the chapter into chapter 7. please read the gospel through luke over and over and over again and may the lord himself be very very precious to you today and remember you belong to your heavenly father let us live As the children of God, as the children of light, let us not live as the children of darkness. And the Lord bless you.
0: Don't be almost, put him foremost, for he loves you, my friend. He died and rose that remark.